podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. A goddess is a woman who emerges from deep within herself. She is a woman who has honestly explored her darkness and learned to celebrate her light. She is a woman who is able to fall in love with the magnificent possibilities within her. She is a woman who knows of the magic and mysterious places inside her, the sacred places that can nurture her soul and make her whole. She is a woman who radiates light. She is magnetic unknown. Valeria Tellez interviews Candy Lee, the author of Finding Life in Between, a journal from me to you. Candy Lee is the president and owner of Candy Lee Coaching, LLC. She spent the majority of her career in the financial services industry for a Fortune 500 company, most notably developing diversity and inclusion leadership programs. Candy also spent many years consulting with and coaching sales executives and leaders across the nation. After a successful corporate career, Candy branched out on her own. She decided to pursue her dream of writing and coaching and advocating for individuals. As a coach, Candy encourages all individuals to stand in their truth and create their own narratives. She believes that when we can honestly share our authentic selves in safe spaces, not only do we show up as better employees, spouses, and partners, we ultimately open ourselves up to leading more fulfilling lives. Her personal mission is to help and motivate women to stand in their truth and live authentic lives. Meet Candy at CandyLee.com. Here is the interview with Candy Lee. In your own words, who is Candy Lee? Oh, thank you for that. In my own words, I would say that the, the person that I am today is very much a changed woman who's evolved from her past. And, and I, I believe that I'm a better version uh, today than the woman that I used to be. Um, I am a woman on a journey who is becoming more herself every day. And the I'm really the current embodiment of my soul, of my, my own divine essence. And I'm learning to trust the uncertainty and the beauty of my path. And um, I, I, I guess, I guess who, I'm a guide of sorts uh, for others who may be experiencing some of the similar um, paths that I've had in life. What does it mean to be a woman from your perspective? Oh, goodness. Um, what it means to be a woman. I think that there's there's beauty in in who we are as as individuals as souls having this body experience and for me being a woman 
um, means to understand and celebrate the way that my body works, the, the biology of it, the sensuality of it, um, the fact that I'm, I'm a mom. Um, and to be a woman for me at, in this phase of my life is to um, embrace the, the physical and the emotional and the spiritual part of, of my being as a whole. What do you love most about being a woman? I think I, um, years ago, I may not have thought about loving being a woman because I felt like I was uh, maybe hustling in a, in a man's world as I you know, made it through my, my corporate life. But what I know to be true today and that I love about being a woman is that part of my feminine gift is to hold space and to listen and have meaningful conversations with people. And so, um, I love being able to tap into that and to celebrate that again. Um, and also I think as I'm coming more into my own, I am thankful for the awareness to, um, kind of step aside and let myself be taken care of by others. I, part of the divine feminine is to receive that and, and, um, having people in my life right now who are willing to play their role and also give so that we have kind of this. Um, ongoing waves of giving and and receiving, um, I think is is a beautiful part of being a woman as well. And my other question is about the challenges. Have you faced any challenges for being a woman? Oh my goodness! Um, indeed, <laughs> indeed. Um, I, my mind immediately goes to some of the things that I experienced again in a, in corporate America, um, working through kind of the the culture, which is a very white male dominated culture. Um, and but I think I think more importantly is I think on the path of my existence, it's been this expectation and this challenge that um, you can have it all. You can. You can be a, a wife and a mother and an employer, an employee, and um, an advisor, and a coach, and an athlete, and a friend, and a um, and and when you start putting all of those things on people, um, I think it, there's an expectation in our culture to succeed. Also, so it's like when you're juggling all these balls, the pressure of failure can come in. And when you're, when you're really dealing with that pressure, it can feel like you've built your life as, as a house of cards. So I think as, as women in particular, that's, that can be a, a big challenge, that expectation of having it all. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? Um, and that too has changed over the, over the years. Um, I think historically, I really thought about success in terms of, um, you know, my my financial situation and my career, you know, conti continually growing in my career and making sure that we had a nice home and, um, you know, a yard to for the kids and the dogs and, and, and all of that. And, and now today for me, it's, it's less about those things. I mean, I, I definitely still enjoy having a, a home to live in and, you know, that, that, that type of thing. But it's the balance. I think success for me is about balance and being present, um, and and maybe even more so learning to to trust in the divine timing of of things that are happening in my life, and um, to have patience and peace in that journey. What is the your idea of balance, and do you connect balance to harmony somehow? Yeah, I love the balance and harmony together. Absolutely. Um, Harmony itself. I, I grew up in a very musical family, so uh, you know that <laughs> that resonates with me absolutely. 
Um, but balance to me today, I think it's in terms of, um, tuning in to what the needs are in this moment. So what is, what is my body need to feel whole? Um, am I feeling like I'm, I'm living in my truth? Am I living, um, spiritually where, where I need to be? Am I, am I saying things that, um, don't do harm to others, but are honoring the integrity of my expectations as well? Um, you know, and I think financially, especially here we are in this, in this weird in-between phase of pre-pandemic and post-pandemic COVID, COVID world where, um, am I honoring my relationships? Am I honoring, you know, how am I doing that differently today than I probably have in the past? And I think all of that requires, um, awareness and balance and, and yes, that harmony piece as well, living in harmony. So I have some questions for you about your book, Finding Life in Between, which is a very inspiring title. When I looked at it, I'm like, wow, I love this. Thank you. Yeah, it inspires something beautiful. And maybe it goes back to the harmony inner peace. That's what uh, makes me feel. So your book's titled Finding Life in Between, a journal from me to you. So before we get into some specific passages and topics in your book, let me ask you some more questions. What is life to you, Candy? Life to me is really a, an adventure. It's it's a calling to experience everything that this world has to offer that feels in alignment with um, the soul's purpose. Um, I think it's. I think life has a lot to do with the. It's a journey to maybe reconnecting to your soul um, and remembering who you are. That that saying about you know who would you be who if um, others didn't tell you who to be right like that connection back to yourself. Um, and I really I believe that this life is this that we are energy, we are these souls that are having a human experience. And, and we, we chose to come here to, to really go on this journey, um, these adventures and, um, and learn. Is this a belief system or um, it is a form of spirituality? If you can define spirituality, it will be wonderful too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, that's, that's sort of a magic question, right? That de- definition of spirituality is such a unique and uh, personal experience. Um, but I think um, from a religious perspective, I grew up um, very Lutheran in the Lutheran Church, very um, strict religious um, upbringing, and so I, I think from a, a spiritual standpoint, I, I really used to think about um, God as this other being who kind of handed down judgment and also handed down the gift of life and handed down the reward of heaven um, and and that we were here to kind of live a life of service to this being outside of us. And I think now today, um, and, it, and this, like I said, it's a, it's so personal. And, and that journey of spirituality is um, one that never really ends. I think it's a constant evolution. And where I am today is to, to realize and believe that um, the divine essence lives within each of us. And when we're tapped into that and living um, out our truest purpose and calling, that just, it creates a sense of, of joy. And that connection to the spirit is um, part of our overall spiritual well-being. How do we know when we are living the soul's purpose or our unique gifts? 
is there a moment in time where we realize that or it is a process, let's say, a journey? Yeah, that's such a it's such an interesting question. And and again, I I, I think that for everybody that's a unique experience. So um I think for me, sort of light bulbs have gone on at different points in my life. And when I've really felt like I've been in flow and in the ease of my journey is where I've uh, felt maybe closest to what my purpose is supposed to be. Um, and, and also one of the things that, um, in my book and I talk about my, my purpose, I thought I was going to write and talk about these stories of, of life and love that connect all of us and look outward. And what happened was, um, as I was on my, my journey of writing, I kept reflecting and, and writing stories of myself and writing key learnings from my life. And, um, I remember calling my publisher and saying, you know, I'm, I'm not quite sure what to do here. I'm not writing about what we had agreed upon. And she said something to me, like, I think the moon is in Leo right now. It's causing reflection. Just go with it. <laughs> and, and, I, and I said, okay, all right. I'm just, I'm just going to roll with this right now. And, and so the, the book actually became more of a, a memoir and kind of a self-help book of a journey to worthiness. And as I, um, you know, we went through the the editing stage and the getting through the all the publishing pieces of the puzzle. And literally, now that it's off of my hands, it's out of, you know, we can gave birth to this project and it's out there and it's it's um, everything's wrapped up on this project. I actually stumbled across um, human design through some coaches that I was partnered with. And the one did a reading for me and she said to me, did you know that you're a reflector? And I said, I don't, I don't know what's a reflector. I have no idea what this is. <laughs> and she explained to me the purpose of the reflector and that my lines were three in one and that a lot of my human design purpose is to have life experiences and then share them with others so that they don't have to maybe stumble through things the way that I did. Um, and I, and I told her about my book and she said, do you realize you wrote your divine essence? And I said, oh my goodness, I, I know because I haven't even thought about this. This is all so new to me. So it's only been in the last few weeks, I think, that I've um, really started to maybe more fully understand um, what it means to truly trust this spirituality and, and trust this process. And it, and it has come in little um, pokes and lights, and it has also been a process. So... You already talked about the book a bit about the process. Talk to me about how you became a writer and what was the inspiration to write your book, Finding Life in Between. Oh, such great questions. So, um, so my whole life I've I've written, whether it's you know, journals and things, things for myself or communications projects in my corporate world. Um, and then last year I um I found myself in a bit of a, a different situation where I had a major surgery and was sitting in a chair for about three months during my recovery, you know, going, getting physical therapy and, and coming home and relaxing and get letting my body take this time to heal. And my mind was so busy and, um, and my body couldn't keep up, obviously, from the surgery. <laughs> so I wound up doing some ghostwriting projects. And what I realized was I thought, gosh, I... I guess I, I guess I could really do something like this on my own instead of writing for somebody else. And, um, 
I went back to my, my corporate job and was promptly laid off because of a transformation that the company was going through. So my position had basically been eliminated. And I went back to a leadership journal that I had kept from a session a few years prior where I went through the um, Ikigai exercise, where you really um, go through what, what you're good at and what's, what's your calling, what's your purpose, what could you maybe get paid for, um, you know, how are you helping humanity? And a lot of what I had written about had to do with um, conversations and writing. And as I was reflecting on all of those um, inputs, I said, you know what, I'm going to do this. I love to travel. I, for the first time in my, my adult life, I don't have to be somewhere at 8 a.m. on a Monday. Um, I, I want to talk with people and connect and I'm going to go and I'm going to write this book. And I started sort of shopping that idea out with my friends and saying, what, you know, what do you think? And, and some of my colleagues, um, wound up referring me to the woman who is now um, my publisher. And, and so we, we agreed on this idea and I sort of decided, I guess, from that point forward that writing was going to be part of my journey and part of my legacy. Um, so that's, that's how this started. Um, yeah. In your book, you say a phrase that caught my attention was realizing that your journey was your destination. So that's, Powerful. When was the moment that you realized that, that the journey is the destination? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't know if it was a, a, a moment where it hit me um, or if it was more of a slow, uh, slow realization over the, la- you know, over the, the last weeks of writing. Um, you know, as you know, I'm going to really go back to earlier this year when um, Kobe Bryant died. And we're a big basketball family and um, my son loves the game and I love the game. And we were really, um, uh, gosh, we just mourned. We mourned Kobe here in, you know, the Midwest of the United States. And one of Kobe's things is, you know, the mama mentality, which is all about the work and the work. And it's not necessarily about the trophy. You have to enjoy the work that you put in every day. And I think as I sat with that and you know, really just contemplated on that philosophy and, and thinking about my own life, I realized that, you know, I, I have to really give, be grateful for every moment and every piece of this journey that's led to both the high points and the low points, because it's only in the lows that we, we get gratitude, we become grateful and have gratitude for maybe the other moments. And it's only from those high points that we are, you know, celebrating maybe some of the, the trouble of the journey. Um, and then I, I was just, it, it really is that we have to find ways to thrive in our life. It's not just climbing out of survival mode. And so to celebrate that journey, not just the destinations became, um, critically important in, um, I think the way that I've chosen to live. In your book, you just mentioned, but I have it here. You said it is impossible to dream when you are in survival mode. I think it's, um, Actually, fear, isn't it, Candy? We are living, driven by fear. Yeah, I, I think that especially right now in the world, there's so much um, uncertainty and the fear and the um, scarcity, just a feeling of scarcity. Um, and I think when we are in that survival mode of, um, am I going to make it? Am I going to be able to make my my you know rent payment? Am I going to... 
um, see my family when we're not sure, you know, grandpa is sick with COVID right now and we're not sure if we're going to see him again. And, and all these things where we're, we're so fearful of life and we can't just pause and, or maybe sometimes we don't give ourselves the, the permission um, to pause and, and say, no, we're, we need to, we need to dream. We need to think about envision, you know, what, what might be the wildest dreams that we can imagine. Um, and, and also I think sometimes we don't give ourselves the grace to just be present because we're so worried and we're so fearful. Um, I think both of those are, are important, important things to do. And speaking of that, what's happening this year? with the COVID and all the chains we have been through, do you have a vision for a new reality or a better reality? Mm, um, well, mm. I think my, that's a great question. A vision for a reality for myself and my family is um, to find balance and be present with each other. And I, um, back when I was working in corporate, before I was laid off, I would leave every morning, you know, and, and, it's still in that misty, silvery color of the morning. And I would be driving to work thinking, so we're spending all this time in other buildings to simply to provide homes that we don't get to live in. Mm, wow. And and I thought, gosh, there's something just seems so out of whack and, and out of balance with that. So now my vision is for me and my family, like I said, to have this presence with each other and to really live gratefully with each other and to honor and celebrate each other's journeys um, and hopefully, you know, be guides for each other along the way. And I think my hope for, um, I think my hope for the community, my hope for our, you know, our, our world community really is to, um, you know, maybe it's, maybe it seems aspirational, but just to, to let go of the greed and to um, live in a, in a space of peace where we can honor each other and celebrate celebrate the differences and also that the divine energy that connects us all. You said healing and self-care are not to be confused with self-maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so what is healing to you, Candy? Yes. So healing to me is the work of, of its soul work. Um, healing to me is um, facing the realities of the fires of our past and walking through those fires so that we can own them and be in, in the truth of who we really are and, and maybe what has either happened to us or the choices that we've made that have brought us to today. Um, and then um, I think healing is once we're, once we're able to see that and own that and stand in our truth, it is to assess where we are, know ourselves, um, know what our values are, and, and maybe try to dig in to understand our purpose and then translate that into what are the steps that we're going to take for the future. And I think in, in that process of the soul work and really um, living authentically, that's where that healing comes in. Um, so it's really for me as a spiritual, um, it's a, it's a, it's a mind, uh, body, spirit connection is the healing. Do you somehow include self-love? Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, I think that self-love is, it's in itself a journey. Um, and I, I believe that we have to, um, you for not only forgive ourselves, um, forgive others, even if we don't get the apology that we're hoping for. Um, and, and in that grace, um, just open ourselves up to um, 
the kindness and the compassion that perhaps we would show others. And we need to show that to ourselves. Yes. And you actually wrote that in the book too. What is freedom to you, Candy? What is your idea of freedom? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, freedom. I would say, I would say freedom is, um, it's being comfortable enough to stand in your own personal truth. I think it's, um, shedding the weight of the perceptions and expectations of others, um, being present and fully experiencing joy. Um, and maybe it's, you know, bringing back that harmony. It's to be in harmony with your mind and your body and your spirit all as one. I think that's, that's freedom. Yeah. That sounds like it. <laughs> it feels like it. <laughs> even from the words. And I have a few more questions here. Let me see. I'll ask you this one. Do you ever use the word God? Mm, I do. <laughs> I do. Um, and to me, again, like I mentioned earlier, that God to me used to be kind of God in the, in the sky who um, was separate from us, um, somehow connected, but still separate from us. And, um, and so I do still refer to God as God sometimes, but I also just had a really fascinating conversation with someone um, who was who said to me, um, well, I, sometimes I say goddess, or I'll say for goddess sake, or, um, <laughs> for, you know, the God, the divine goddess within. And um, some this person said to me, well, isn't God a man? And I said, you know, I think God or source or universe is whatever we perceive that entity to be. And for me, when I was growing up, the, one of the first things that I had said to in one of my religion classes was, why are we using he and him when you keep telling me, teacher, that, you know, that's a universal situation? Then why don't we ever refer to anybody else's her and, you know, she and her for the universal? Why is it always he and him? And that I was always a little, like kind of brushed under the rug with that challenge. And I said to this woman that I was having conversation with, well, if that's the truth, if those teachers were telling us the truth all those years ago, then we absolutely can refer to God as goddess, even in the Christian church. <laughs> yes. um, so for me, I usually say goddess now, um, but yes, sometimes still use the word God. Why do you think this idea of God as a male came to be? Oh boy, we could spend hours talking about the patriarchy. True. <laughs> True. Um, yeah. I, I just think it was um, probably the way that the designs of society were, you know, built. It's just, it's just the the traditions that were built. And I also, you know, if we were to dive into that, I would say there's all sorts of systems of repression that exist. Um, that you know, we have we've had if you're. I've heard somebody else recently say, if somebody like you has never been brought in front of the Supreme Court for a decision, then you have privilege. And I think about that sometimes in terms of winning the right to vote or, um, you know, right to health care and reproductive rights and, and different things like that. So I think that it's, um, it, it's just part of the culture and the systems that have been, you know, historically present. Do you see a shift uh, happening? Oof, um, well, I would say I, I felt very hopeful shifts happening over the last um, presidential administration. And where we are right now in this moment is feeling um, slightly dire for me personally, without getting you know heavily political. Um, but I do have 
hope that the um, arc of moral courage is um, is bending towards towards goodness and hope for all. What is love to you? I would say that for me, when I think about love, I think about um, the concept of unconditional positive regard of of holding the people that are closest to you um, up, lifting them up without, you know, questioning their intent um, and, and giving them that unconditional positive regard. I think it's, I think love is um, an appreciation for that connectedness that we all share, that divine essence that's within all of us and uh, that honoring of each other through that. Um, I think it's, I think it's understanding, um, especially in, you know, your, your personal relationships, understanding those that the individuals, um, around you are unique beings and souls and a love is celebrating that spirit within each of them. Um, and then I, I think too, when I think about, you know, my, my own personal relationships is, is that agreement on, on loyalty and, and kind of our, Love is like the operating agreement and how we experience um, each other and through our differences, even like through, through the good and the bad. It's that, it's that kind of that, that honoring and acceptance of, of each other as a, as an agreement as well. Do you believe that we can love unconditionally? I believe that it's easier for us to love others unconditionally than it is to love ourselves unconditionally. (laughs) I hear that a lot for some reason, even with mothers. Sometimes I, I think I asked a question yeah, to a mother, you know, remember she said, yeah, I love my kids unconditionally, but then I don't love myself unconditionally. So she made that statement very clear. I wonder, I think I asked her, is it possible to love others unconditionally if you don't love yourself unconditionally first? She said, yes, that it was possible, but I don't know. Well, I think when we're talking about, you know, our children specifically, it's easy, it's easier to um, maybe give them the grace. Well, and they are an extension of us. So I guess in a way it is self-love. Mm. Um, but, mm. but when I, and I think too about the, um, like children up until about maybe, I don't know, maybe age five, six, seven, somewhere in there, when they look in the mirror and all they see is, confidence and awesomeness and beauty and and grace. And then somewhere along the way, we as humans have this experience where we slip into comparison and judgment of ourselves. Um, And I think that if we, you know, through then our lifetime, it's unless we have somebody helping to guide us and unprogram that from our brains right away, it take a lot of healing later on to get to that um, place of unconditional self-love. And, um, and so I, I feel like it's, it's definitely a possibility. Um, but especially with our kids, I think we, we sometimes <laughs> give it more freely to them than we do ourselves. So the relationships we have, the connections we have with others, especially our children, that makes it self-love because they are part of us, an extension of us. I think this is, and that's a really part, I think part of the kind of spiritual journey too, is really that celebration and knowing that even the people who are most different from us still have that divine inside of them. Yeah. So I think that's, it's just a learning and a deeper appreciation for that connection on this journey. So talk to me for a moment about the Candy Lee coaching. You are a women's empowerment coach. 
Yeah, so I um, I've been a, a coach for years, and and really through my corporate career was trained and um, worked a lot with different sales representatives, um, executives, and leaders. And um, what I, I I love it. I love coaching because I really believe that there's opportunities um, to help individuals you know, break through and, and, and get, get more, um, clarity on who they are and what they want. And then, um, you know, design that life so that they can step forward into that, that space. And what I, what I learned throughout the course of, um, coaching is that over the years, it began to feel almost to me, like, um, in the corporate space, it was scripted and planned. And, and it was, um, as, like I mentioned earlier, there's, you know, very, um, male type a dominant, especially when we're talking about hard sales. Um, there's a piece in there that's like, we're going to muscle through, we're going to hustle and muscle. We're going to set our goals, hold each other accountable and keep moving forward. And for me, um, at the end of my corporate tenure, and then as I've moved into, um, starting my coaching business, um, independently, I thought, gosh, we we oftentimes in corporate ask ourselves, um, why do we not retain as many women sales reps? Why, you know, what could we be doing differently? And for me, the answer evolved as we're we're not rewiring and looking at the patterns and the the systems that that um, create the results that we want. What we're telling people in and one way of coaching is to set your goals and achieve and build build your environment. Those things to me are all still critically important. But when I think about the needs for women, especially in 2020, when, you know, in September alone, um, over 800,000 women left the workforce. I just read an article on CNBC and, and these women who are, you know, this is an opportunity for evolution. And I, I would say transformation in the sense of now I get to transform into who I want to become. And it's not necessarily just about muscling through to the next thing. It is about truly becoming present and diving into, um, you know, what is my sole purpose and how do I set up my life to be in more of a state of um, flow so that I can live, um, I deserve a life fulfilled with joy and happiness rather than how do I simply just achieve the next thing. So so my coaching practice now is really working with women who are um, searching for that that presence approach, who are looking to uh, design the life that they want to lead. And I'm helping them do that. In your book, you say, when we share our stories, we weave ourselves together, we become stronger. So my question is, how do we find that courage to share our stories, to tell our truth, to be true, really? Yeah. So that's, isn't that a great, that's so powerful, that question. And um, I think courage is, the, the finding the courage isn't always just like, oh, I feel like I can do it now. Sometimes it shows up in these small pieces. Um, and I, I remember having a conversation with one friend who was going through some um, significantly traumatic uh, events in her life. And she said, I just don't know how to stand up. I just don't know how to have the courage. And I said, when you're feeling brave and in, in the moment, it doesn't have to be right now, but when you're feeling brave enough to share what you need to share, then you do that. And you share a little at a time to the extent that you're comfortable until it comes pouring out of you in the wave that, or, or in a small trickle. And, um, and I think that it's, it's tapping in and making sure that you have, have 
the person or the people around you to help guide you through that conversation, whether it's um, a therapist, a life coach, a spiritual guide, um, make sure that you would just have trust with the person. And um, I really believe that when you have that courage and you stand in your truth, there's a, there's a freedom and a joy that comes with that. And it's scary. It's um, so, so very scary, but I think it's, it's, um, it's something worth going after. And I wonder what are we afraid of when we hold back a lot of times to speak our truth? Have you um, noticed some patterns? So I, um, I'll, I'll just share my, my personal truth in that is, you know, in my book, I share quite a few um, personal things that I was very unsure of sharing almost to the point of not publishing the book, almost to the point of pulling it at the last minute and saying, I'm not doing this. I can't do this. And um, I had a very dear friend who said to me when I was having um, some of these thoughts, very unique soul. He was a very unique traveler on this earth. And he said to me, people need truth. If you can't, he said, if you can't tell the truth, what good are you? (laughs) And, um, and we had a kind of a chuckle about it. And at the same time, he said, this is what people are craving. Um, because you might be able, what you, what you share, you might be able to help one person. And if that one person helps one other person, that's, that's the beauty of this. We're here to lift each other up. And, and as I thought through that, you know, I, I decided to, to carry forward, but it's, it's scary to bear our souls. And I think for me, I'm scared of the judgment that I might hear from other people or the loss of relationships <clears throat> because people may not um, be happy with what I wrote. But I, but I also think it's, it's important to, to be authentic in that space. Yes, I agree. And that's why also it's very important to have a mentor or a coach, somebody, a guide that can support us and encourage us. Right. And I think that it's, it's important to remember that, you know, nobody can do the work for you, um, but having somebody to help you become the hero in your own life is, um, is a blessing. I do have another question about the uh, dealing. I guess you already answered that question in a way about the dark thoughts we have. Yeah. The question is really what do we do exactly. Do we accept those dark thoughts and let them be and flow and just pass through us? Or do we try to change them, replace them? Oh, gosh. And this is this is something I think that every individual has to answer for herself. But in my um, in my experience, I would say that the dark the dark thoughts um, are inevitable. And the, um, just because of the way that this life works and our human, human experience goes on, there will inevitably be times where we are challenged with the, um, the negative thoughts or being put into a downward spiral in our own minds. And I think the best, the best advice that was given to me that I'll share here was somebody said to me, um, those, everything is meant, all of those thoughts and the emotions that they kick up are meant for a purpose. So let them move through you, let them cleanse you. And if you need to camp out in the darkness for a night, camp there, think through it, but don't take up residence there. Refuse to take up residence. So as you are really processing and thinking through what those, what those pieces might be that are dark for you, um, you know, journal about them. Um, write them down and then 
after your after that emotion associated with those thoughts moves through you, um, you can burn your journal. You can um, throw it out, or you can tuck it away somewhere if, if you think that you might want to revisit it someday. Um, but I but I do believe that they those those thoughts that create the feelings are there for a reason. I think replacing them or or pushing them aside will only cause them to come back later, maybe stronger. And so I do believe that it's important to to at least um, acknowledge them as you're moving through. Yeah, I love the idea of releasing those uh, negative emotions and all, but also I heard about transforming them into something else. Yes, and I, I love that because I, I feel as if if you have, you know, the negative thoughts that create negative emotions and if you just let them live, um, they'll show up as physical pain or physical ailments in some way over time. And and that's what we want to unpack and unwind and get yourself um, telling telling yourself the, the right stories of truth um, and navigating through those those thoughts and emotions so that you can you know live a pain-free life emotionally and physically. So uh, we're almost at the end. I have a few more questions for you. But before that, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Um, sure. If it's all if it's all right with you, I think I will read the section of my book. Um, if the chapter is called "Invitation," and it's um, a letter that it starts, "Dear Sister," is that all right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Okay. All right, dear sister. I began this journey by looking outward. I decided to combine the magic of the things I love: adventuring, traveling, connecting with people, and writing in order to tell stories of the human experience. From the beginning, I committed to falling in love with this process, this art, this exploration of the unknown, even if it exhausted and confounded me. My goal was to dive into the spirit of human relationships and tell the tales of our connectedness, of our similarities and our differences. I was going to call my book Unwritten, Previously Untold Stories Collected on the Open Road. I romanticized the idea. I was excited. I was optimistic. It felt safe to write the stories of others. I didn't know exactly how it would come together, but I could feel in my soul that it was the right journey at the right time. Well, the right journey at the right time actually became an unexpected voyage of intense self-reflection. Rather than examining others, I was repeatedly nudged to look inward, to review the path of my own existence. The magic of traveling to unknown places, along with the voices of my spirit guides and the light of the moon, led me to hear stories that opened me up to my own vulnerability. As the safety of looking outward dissipated, I was left with the fear of confronting my own experiences and beliefs. The magic that moved me led me to breathe life into the words that came from my heart, through my fingers, and onto paper, words that now fill the pages of this book. What I didn't realize was that these chapters would be my own catharsis and my own cleansing. My sister, I wanted to write for you about the stories of others, but it turned out that I needed my words for me first. I set out to write about the spirit of human connection, a collection of short stories celebrating the beauty of relationships and the mysteries of life. The universe, however, decided to challenge my idea by inspiring something different. A memoir, a sort of journal about some very real experiences of modern womanhood. I decided to let go of my expectations. I sat with the uncertainty that comes when inspiration meets creativity. And now, after a great deal of fear and worry and internal debate, I've decided to gift the end result, this book, to you. 
I now invite you to join me on this journey of hope and healing. The chapters within these pages are personal. They include adventures and secrets and friendships and wishes. They tell tales of conversations and connections that occurred not only while traveling, but also remembering. They also share stories that I was once too afraid and too ashamed to share. Dear sister, I need you to know that as you read, I do not expect you to take responsibility for my words, and I certainly do not expect you to take on the weight of my experiences. However, I anticipate that you may find some piece of yourself within these stories, and my hope is that you decide to open yourself up to the vulnerability that might meet you in your own reflections. Our stories alone do not define us, but they do have power. They have the power to either elevate or suffocate. My sister, I hope that as you read, you release the burden of anything that you have privately carried and you choose to soar. I hope you choose to breathe in the life force of authenticity and the power of vulnerability. I hope you feel the magic of our connection and I hope you know in your heart that you are not alone. With light and love, Candy Lee. Thank you so much for your generosity. Yeah, kindness too comes to mind. Oh my goodness. Thank you for um, the, the genuine conversation, the um, willingness to go into these places of profound meaning. I appreciate you so much. Thank you, Candy. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? Gosh, I think I, think I would just travel more. I would go, I think I would just go and try to, maybe I I would bungee jump or do something like that. Um, But I I think I just would, I would want to go see and experience and smell the smells of different places and see the sights and hear the sounds and, um, and just soak in all of the different um, culture and food and, you know, the the places of the world and, and talk with people, communicate with people in those places and hear their stories. That's what I would do if I, if I knew. And I'd, and I'd bring my kids with me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, what an adventure. I love the way you use the word different many times. Experiencing the difference and then different yeah. things, different people, different cultures. Well, I think there's, there's so much to celebrate in, in the, the different ways that we, that we exist around the world and, and opportunity to learn from each other. And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of today? I know that the lessons that we learn in life are important to bring us to where we are today. And so there's there's beauty in the good and the bad of those lessons that have led us to today. Um, so I think that's, that's one thing I know. Um, I think... Um, I think the other thing I know is that part of my calling and my purpose is to serve as a guide, like I talked about earlier, but especially for my children. Um, and, and that's, that's something that, I mean, they fill my heart right there. That's three pieces of my heart that will forever go walking around outside of my body. And, um, and I'll serve as a guide for also for those people who want me to walk beside them on this journey. And, I think the third thing would be that I think the what I know for sure is that the more present I am and the more that I trust, that I actively trust this universe, that goddess, um, everything in front of me, um, the more magic unfolds in my life. The more 
um, beauty and abundance and surprises show up in my life. And, um, and so I, I just, I know for sure that, that, that trust is part of the journey. Thank you so much again for your authentic, beautiful presence, loving presence, your wisdom, your mission, your message, your work. Thank you. Thank you. I do have one more question, but this is a technical one. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Uh, yes, you can visit my website at candylee.com. It's C-A-N-D-Y-L-E-I-G-H.com. And um, you can contact me right through that site. Thank you so much again, Candy. And we'll talk Thank soon. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Candy Lee and her work, please visit candylee.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.